You are entering the Freedom Hut. It was an incredible showdown today on Capitol Hill. A woman says that she was sexually assaulted. A man says that that is a lie and that he is innocent. Blasey, Ford, and Kavanaugh told their stories. We will discuss it today on The Buck Sexton Show. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated... This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small step. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit. Fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election. Fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record. Revenge on behalf of the Clintons. And millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. This is a circus. The consequences will extend long past my nomination. The consequences will be with us for decades. This grotesque and coordinated character assassination will dissuade competent and good people of all political persuasions from serving our country. And as we all know, in the United States political system of the early 2000s, what goes around comes around. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. I watched those hearings today for the entire the entirety of my day until this radio show, basically, as soon as they went on, 10 o'clock. So at least six, seven hours of, of these hearings. I never watch hearings that much on Capitol Hill. I usually watch some and then get the gist of it. Today I had to watch. This is a seminal moment. This is a moment in time in our history and in this country when we define who we are as a people. What does it mean to be an American? What do we think justice means? What do we think truth means? What is fair? What is right? And it is also a time when we find ourselves separating from those who have abandoned all good faith, All principles, all decency, and all honesty. What has happened to Judge Kavanaugh, hopefully, God be praised, Justice, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, what has happened to Brett Kavanaugh is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in American politics. It is the most appalling smear campaign imaginable it is so obviously coordinated it is so clearly meant to be impossible for him to entirely disprove these allegations each one of them came out crafted in such a way that we'll never know we'll never know and i want to get into the details of this and i want to work through why why i'm willing to say this I had to hold myself. I had people today who I know, for example, from CNN reach out to me and say, 
you know, maybe privately say, you know, maybe you should tone it down a little bit. You know, it's, it sounds like you don't it sounds like you really just don't believe Blasey Ford and you may regret this later on. I, I was so close to writing back in a bunch of all caps expletives, but I, I just ignored it. Because they are part of this slander. The media has debased itself because the media realizes that it's already essentially a whole group of activists who will do anything they can to pay proper homage to and to protect at all cost the blood-soaked altar of Roe versus Wade. There is also a sense among the progressive left that if they can destroy somebody like Brett Kavanaugh, they can destroy anyone. And that will be a veto power that they wield over our public life, not just for Supreme Court nominees, but for anything and anyone. If they establish this precedent of an evidence-free character assassination, they will use it again and again for maximum impact at the time it is most valuable to them. It has the greatest utility to a left wing that is just morally barbarous. I, I really mean that. I watched Brett Kavanaugh. I watched Blasey Ford today. And I saw, of course, all the media coverage around this. Blasey Ford, yes, she's a woman. They were very gentle with her in the question. They were very solicitous of how wonderful it was that she showed up. Of course, Kavanaugh was treated like trash by the Democrats. He's answering questions about fart conversations in his yearbook from when he's 17. Dick Durbin starts pounding him for why don't you demand more investigation of yourself? He is the most investigated, vetted human being to be up for any public office in history. Hundreds of thousands of pages, over 30 hours of congressional testimony, six FBI background checks. Durbin's basically pounding the table. Why won't you demand more of an investigation of yourself? And you might say, oh, Buck, why not have the FBI do more investigation? Because you know what happens, folks? Then there'll be another crazy claim. And then another one. And then another one. Well, if the FBI investigated these claims, don't they have to investigate that claim? Do they, do they only investigate Blasey Ford? What about the other ones? And by the way, there have been at least five now that we know of. One of which was a straight-up crazy person. Already happening, we know this. Oh, the Democrats were saying maybe it's Republicans with a false flag. They, they, are, they are beneath contempt. You know, I, I don't like to do the bare knuckles, hate the other side political commentary because I have a, I have a lot of friends on the other side. I, have a, I know a lot of good people who are Democrats, but the representatives of their party and the ideology that is driving the Democratic Party right now is contemptible. It is horrific. It is immoral. It is evil. And what they have done to Brett Kavanaugh is one of the most appalling public spectacles I have ever seen. I have honestly not felt such a great sense of obvious injustice after a tremendous amount of media exposure, uh, probably since the OJ trial, when somebody, for reasons that we all know had to do with this narrative of race and, and class and violence and all this stuff, and men and women, of course, too, this narrative that had been constructed allowed a man to get away with 
viciously murdering two innocent people. One person he didn't even know, just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And people cheered for him. Cheered for him. And we all knew what that was. We all knew what was going on. I don't know how this Kavanaugh situation is going to turn out. I certainly hope that Mitch McConnell holds firm, that Mitch McConnell realizes that his greatest legacy, his only real legacy at this point as Senate Majority Leader is going to be ensuring a conservative majority on the court before he chooses to retire. And that that would be a legacy that he would, with no question, could and should be proud of and could look any conservative in the eye. And I know people, you know, they drive a lot of ratings and they get a lot of a lot of uh, benefit out of trashing McConnell and, you know, he's, he's a fake Republican or whatever it is that, that's being said about him. But if he holds the line on this one, we owe him a debt of gratitude. There were some very proud moments today as well, I have to tell you this. I was proud of Brett Kavanaugh when he showed up at that hearing and just let it rip. He is a man who is being undermined and destroyed and... Uh, he's decimated to the very core of his soul, and it's wrong. And these these allegations, I do not believe them. They are not true. There is a disgusting hand of the most sordid Democrat character associate, uh, assassination associated with all of this. It's all there lurking in the background. Who who paid for your polygraph exam? Oh, I don't know. Oh, the lawyers paid for it. Where did these lawyers come from? Oh, Feinstein told me to get one of them. Yeah, Feinstein's making sure that those are the lawyers. Who told you to go down this path? My beach friends. All things that Blasey Ford says. Your beach friends. Really, that's where you go for life-altering advice about your legal team and how to proceed with the press. That seems dubious to me. Your lawyers told you to take a polygraph. Well, isn't that convenient? You didn't want to come forward, but you knew you were going to take a polygraph anyway? Doesn't add up, folks. We'll get Oh, we'll get into the inconsistencies. There are huge problems in her story. But I was telling you about the bright spots, and there were a few of them today. There were a few things that happened that made me feel like there's still some hope that this is a country where we honor and protect good people and we care about the truth and understand that a fair process is necessary for getting to the truth because absent a fair process, which is really all our justice system is, by the way, it is a process aimed at getting the truth. Without that process, though, all you just have is who do I like? Whose team am I on? Who's playing my politics? It was just vomit-inducing to see all these members of the press saying, oh, look at Blasey Ford. She's so believable. She's so wonderful. She's so brave. She's so brave. Let me say something about this. She's so brave. Women who are viciously raped... And there's no question about it. Beaten perhaps to within an inch of their lives. Show up and testify in courts across this country on a regular basis. And they don't have the entire Democrat media standing there telling them how brave they are. This was not the most amazing act of courage I've ever seen. I saw one blue check journo say that she's more brave than any Marine. All I could think is, all right, swamp rat. You should go tell a Marine that sometime. See how that works out for you. She's going to be a celebrated hero. Can we stop this game that this is the most, how how could she come forward and tell the story? She wanted to tell her story. She's wanted to tell her story for a very long time. If you're going to ask me what I think of her testimony, I would say this. Yes, of course, she cried. She's obviously very upset. 
I'm not sure that she understands the full gravity of what she is doing to Kavanaugh. And I also think that she's somebody who has a clear instability, folks. All we're left with is the credibility of these two witnesses. I think she's unstable. That's what came across to me. And I think that her uh, jumping around and, oh, I can't remember this and I can't remember that and, oh, I don't know, doesn't know what exculpatory means. She's a Ph.D., I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to mock her, but it just goes to her state of mind with she seemed very scattered about all of this. And and that she's held on to this, that this is my friends. I know many people who have and I'm just going to say it, who have been through much worse women who have been through much worse and have felt much less of a uh, of an impact in, in their and how this is a driving force in her life. And throughout the decades, this incident was coloring her thinking about men and about her life and about, really, this incident, the one that she described, the one that she doesn't know who was there, how she got there, what house it was, when it was. We'll go, we'll go down all that list. I and mean, there's so much to work through here, but I, I just this. Kavanaugh's stand may not be enough in the end for him to be on the Supreme Court, and he will never get back fully his reputation certainly among the left they're going to hold this over him no matter what although he shouldn't care because they're jackals but i was proud as an american as a man as a human being that kavanaugh in front of his wife made that stand that he did not cave that he did not allow them to crush him that if they are going to take him out to the political guillotine, so to speak. He went out there praising God and country and saying, I would do it again. He went out there like a man. And I was proud of him for it. And we would be lucky to have him on the Supreme Court. There's one other person I have to mention before we, and about, I, I would really like to hear from all of you. We'll get to that in a moment. Lindsey Graham is not somebody that I've thought that highly of in politics in the past. I mean, I don't dislike him, but I just haven't really thought that he was correct all that much. Lindsey Graham today saw what was going on and stepped in and stepped up in a way that I I practically jumped out of my seat wanting to cheer for this guy. I mean, I want to move to South Carolina just so I can vote for Lindsey Graham in his next election. And it was good to see that there are still men out there and women, some of the best, most ardent defenders of Kavanaugh, friends of mine, people, Molly Hemingway, Kim Strassel, there are people out there who are holding the line for all that is good in this country. Truth, justice, virtue, not allowing the obvious, naked, and grotesque power politics of the moment determine how we treat a human being whose life hangs in the balance. I would really like to hear your, I know a lot of you saw this, and I say some of those, all lines are open. We're going to leave the lines open for the next you know, hour and a half. Um, I, I would love to get some calls in from you. I know that a lot of you are not used to calling in because I end up just doing a show and I don't take as many calls as I used to. It's just become a habit. Uh, but the lines are going to be wide open. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. By the way, if you, if you think that I'm wrong here for some reason, if you think that Blasey Ford convinced you today, I want to hear that too. I'm not going to yell at you. I will, we'll talk about it. So don't feel like, because I know we've got liberals who listen to the show as well. She did give it, she's a, you know, she's clearly distraught 
She clearly thinks, I think it's obvious she thinks this happened to her. I just don't believe it did happen to her. Meaning that I don't think that Brett Kavanaugh did this to her. I think somebody else did, and she has uh, made a mistake here. And people who start laughing about that, I always have to point out to them, I'm sorry, the Innocence Project, which liberals tout all the time, says right there on the website, the number one reason why people lose their freedom for decades, go to prison for rapes and murders and child molestation that they did not commit, was a victim or a witness with faulty memory. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Team, let up these lines. We've got a lot to get through today on the show together. I'll be right back. Myron Kagan, tell them that Lindsey said hello, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy. Are you a gang rapist? No. I cannot imagine what you and your family have gone through. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it. I hope the American people can see through this sham that you knew about it and you held it. You had no intention of protecting Dr. Ford. None. She's as much of a victim as you are. God, I hate to say it because these have been my friends. But let me tell you, when it comes to this, you're looking for a fair process? You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. Lindsey Graham, man of honor. So proud of him today, really was. Stepped up, needed to be said. And the way the Democrats have been treating Kavanaugh, I mean, it's, it's still going on as I'm on air with you right now. It's just an absolute disgrace. They are completely disgusting. I will never forgive this. I will never forget this. I will say this, and then we're going to, I've got every line lit up. And by the way, if you can't get through, we're going to get through calls. I'm, I'm racking and stacking calls. I want to hear from you, okay? We're going to do that in just a moment when we come back. But this is a reminder to all of us, folks, and all of you listening to this should understand this, and you already know this deep in your heart, but it's a reminder to us that there are really two teams here, the good guys and the bad guys. And you and me, we're on team good guy. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Let me ask you about Renata Dolphin, who lives in Connecticut. She thought these yearbook statements were, quote, horrible, hurtful, and simply untrue, end quote, because Renata alumni clearly implied some boast of sexual conquest. And that's the reason that you apologized to her, correct? Uh, that's false, speaking uh, about the, the yearbook. And she, she said she and I never had any sexual interactions. So your, right. question, your question is false, and I've uh, addressed that in the opening statement. And so your question is based on a false premise and really does great harm to her. I don't know why you're bringing this up, frankly. Doing great harm to her by even bringing her name up here is really unfortunate. 
Well, calling someone an alumnus in that way. Well, implying what you're implying about by a number of your football friends at the time as boasting of sexual conduct. That's the reason that I'm bringing it up. And yeah, no, it's false. You're implying that. Look what you're bringing up right now about her. Look what you're Mr. doing. Chairman, I ask that these Don't interruptions not up. be subtracted from my time. She's a great person. She's always been a great person. We never had any sexual interaction. By bringing this up, you're just, just dragging her through the mud. It's just unnecessary. These Democrat maniacs are talking about high school kids, folks. High school kids. And whether they had sex or I'm not talking about any sexual assault, just whether they had sex or not. These people have no shame. They should not be taken seriously. They should not be respected. Hirono is a moron. Booker is a clown. Blumenthal is disgusting. Go down the line. Feinstein is a dishonest hack. I'm obviously very unhappy about what's going on today with them, but we've got every line lit. Let's get to it. Donnie in Florida. Good to have you on. Welcome. Donnie. Hello. Okay, Donnie in Florida is a no-go. Fred in Massachusetts. Fred. Oh, hi, Buck. It's great to listen to you. Look, I'm 72 years old. Thank you so much for calling in. A few times, and I've seen a few of these hearings, and they're all the same. Um, Two things I wanted to mention. I'm not a fan of Lindsey Graham, but I'm very positive and proud of what he did today. And the other thing is I'm also formerly from Connecticut, and I hate the guy who's the senator in Connecticut. The, the point I'm trying to make is how can we analyze how they do this over and over and over again um, at all these hearings and uh, Oliver North? They're masters at it. How can we counter this stuff? Oh, man, I, I wish I had a, a, a quick and, and ready answer for you, uh, because w- when you're fighting against an enemy that plays by no rules and has no decency, it's very difficult not to either, one, sign up for perpetual losing, right? Because you're just like, oh, I'm going to play by the rules and keep losing and losing, which, by the way, this is why this is why we need a Trump. Trump doesn't play by their rules. Trump, you know, Trump wasn't going to get the Romney treatment. Trump what. But but and the other side is also you don't want to become a monster to fight a monster, uh, so th- that's that's where I, I think I, it, it gets I, very I tough because uh, I would never want to see Republicans do to any Democrat nominee. I'm sorry. I I, I agree with you. We shouldn't hear you from what? Them, but we have to somehow find out a way to fight these guys because they're going to do it over and over again, year after year. Well. Um, it, it hasn't changed. Like I said, I'm, well, I think that one having having yeah, having a unified backbone on this, Fred, I think is is one part of it, right? And we'll see. Maybe McConnell holds the vote tomorrow. I mean, I, you know, that that's I, from what I understand, it's still scheduled, and I think they should yeah, do it, well, but not giving into them, uh, not being cowed true. into defeat by them. Yep. Yeah, Thanks. I hope it's true too. Thanks for calling in, Fred. Bill in Salem, New Hampshire. Bill, welcome. Hey, how you doing? It's my first time hearing you. I'm good. Thank I, you for I your call. Your monologue. You there? 
Thank you, sir. Hey, sir. Yeah, we're here. Oh, good. So, you know, my thing is that they've weaponized this whole issue. I mean, they did it to Judge Moore with no evidence, really. They've done it to this guy. And, and, and my thing about the actual perpetrator, which is um, whatever her name is, I can never think of it, uh, the woman who, who brought this all up, uh, who is the uh, protagonist. Blasey Ford. Yeah, Ford, Dr. Ford, pardon me, um, is, you know, she has so many axes to grind, not the least of which is his mother was the judge who oversaw the foreclosure of her parents. And I believe that maybe that that got misconstrued in her mind, but it makes no never mind. My fear is they're going to start doing this to everybody, you know, who's running, who they, they want to absolutely destroy to get that seat. And we're going to see it this fall. Now, I think it back. Bill, I agree with everything you're saying. I just would note, I think that the foreclosure point. I'm sorry? Yeah, the foreclosure point is, um, I think that that actually was not entire. I don't think it went to foreclosure, but anyway, it's, it's just a detail. Uh, but yeah, they will do this. They'll be able to do this to anyone. I think that she has a faulty memory. I think that oh, she yeah. has convinced herself that this is what really happened, and it's not what happened. Meaning that it's Absolutely. not. I mean, I'm not saying no one uh, attacked her. I'm just saying it wasn't Kavanaugh. Yeah, I, I, I think something did happen to her. You're right. And I think something happened to the other two as well. But once again, I, I see, I mean, because George Soros, through the organizations he had, paid the 300 people who protested and got arrested. I mean, that's just fact. That you can see the video. Um, and that he's behind this piece of it as well because of the way he works. And... I, we, we have to figure out a way, and I, I believe the only way is what Kavanaugh did today. And you're right, I don't like Lindsey Graham a hell of a lot either, but boy, he was great today. I mean, he just let them have it with both barrels. It was like, you know, a start-off shotgun. And, uh, I mean, it was... Yeah, he was amazing. Here. All right, thank you so much for calling in. John in Mobile, Alabama. John, good to have you. Buck, thank you for taking my call. Uh, to the, the last guy's point, to fight him, these are the most despicable, corrupt people that we have in our country. Blumenthal, people like that. They are no different than terrorists the way they behave because they don't play by any rules. And the only thing that we can do to fight them is to keep them from getting any kind of power back. So we've got to get out and work our butts off to get Republicans elected in the House and Senate to protect Donald Trump and to protect the country from what we saw today. And I'm developing a really unhealthy hatred for Richard Stolen Valor Blumenthal. And for him to sit there in judgment and Dick Turbin, and I think Diane Feinstein's one of the most corrupt people we've got in the Senate. And she's been there for a thousand years. And I, I'm not going to take back every bad thing I've said about Lindsey Graham, but it sounds, it looks like to me that since uh, Senator McCain has passed, Lindsey found his spine, and it looks pretty good. So, anyway, Shields. It, I, I was impressed. I was Shield time, my friend. Thank you, thank you for calling in. I, I was impressed. And by the way, folks, I'm sorry. I do think we have a little bit with the calls of a, of a delay. So if it sounds like I'm talking over any of our callers, it's just a, we've got some kind of a tech a tech glitch going on here where I'm hearing it a little bit late and they're hearing me a little bit late. 
Uh, but I still want to get to another call or two before we um, get into more of the of the substance of the of the hearing today and why I think uh, just on a purely objective looking at the evidence, looking at what was said. You ha- Kavanaugh has the has the preponderance of the evidence and well, he has the only evidence on his side. I mean, they're the only the, the only I mean, the, the biggest things are this woman's story is full of holes. She can't remember anything other than that this guy did it to her. And all the people that she says are at the party say it didn't happen under oath. So is everybody lying? Is everybody part of the rape gang? Is the whole school part of the rape gang? I don't think so. Jason in Fairhope, Alabama. Jason, Shields High. Shields High, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for the call. Man, so so today this is great. So I'm, I'm at work today, and I work at a uh, an Ocean Marine group, and uh, it's a, a boat dealership. And we're watching. I got on my phone at, at the desk. We're watching Fox News, and I'm watching the uh, hearing. And you know, watch Miss Ford. I'm not going to call her Doctor Ford, but watch Miss Ford. And she did good. She did great, and it was she put on a good show. Uh, but when Lindsey Graham came on and started just going off uh, at one point, I think when he said. Uh, Tell Sotomayor, I said hello. I, I literally cheered, and I didn't know that the other guys in the dealership were all listening on their phones too. It was like somebody had scored a touchdown. You heard like 19 guys go, "Yeah!" And we all started dying laughing. We had no idea that everyone else was listening. But man, it was—that is what I needed to hear today. That made my month. I said, "All right, Lindsay, you're my guy. You're my hero. Unbelievable." It was the best version of Lindsey Graham I have ever seen. And and he yeah. deserves all the praise we're giving him. And it's just, you know, it must have been nice for Kavanaugh, for his wife, to have somebody there with all those cameras and all this venom and nastiness in that room from the despicable Democrats. Must have been nice to have somebody catch his back, you know. Lindsey Graham's a Navy yeah, man, right. and he was watching Kavanaugh 6, and somebody needed to do it. And I was, I was proud of him. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, 844-900-2825. We'll get to some more calls. We'll also get into more of the... Actual testimony from today, which, by the way, is still ongoing as we're on air. Um, and we'll be pulling sound bites of it as we go along. Producer Mike is watching to make sure we're getting all the most important bits of it for you. Uh, we've got a lot to work through today, my friends. But good to have you with me as we talk about it. It really is. I'll be right back. President Trump has tweeted out the following in the last five minutes. The cavalry is arriving, my friends. Quote, Judge Kavanaugh showed America exactly why I nominated him. His testimony was powerful, honest and riveting. Democrat search and destroy strategy is disgraceful. And this process has been a total sham an effort to delay, obstruct, and resist, the Senate must vote. Our president is awesome. He, it would be so easy for him, you know, for any president in his shoes to cave. Okay, I'll nominate somebody else. Okay, we'll withdraw the nomination. No, no. He's gotten in the trench right alongside Kavanaugh and his wife, and his little 10-year-old girl and his daughters, Trump is right there with them, and Trump is strapped on a helmet, and he's like, let's go. 
By the way, Lindsey Graham, I'm not even done with Lindsey Graham's greatest hits. Play the other Lindsey Graham moment of glory. To my Republican colleagues, if you vote no, you're legitimizing the most despicable thing I have seen in my time in politics. You want this seat? I hope you never get it. I hope you're on the Supreme Court. That's exactly where you should be. And I hope that the American people will see through this charade. And I wish you well. And I intend to vote for you. And I hope everybody who's fair-minded will. That's right. Everybody who's fair-minded should. The fact that this is going to be a Supreme Court nomination, if in fact we get to a floor vote, that will be decided by almost certainly one vote just goes to show you how much Democrats have broken the process. Goes to show you that they have relied on the Supreme Court as a super legislature for decades and worry what would happen now that they actually have to make the case to the American people and pass laws in keeping with progressive ideology and the totalitarian streak that the American left has embraced increasingly and with more for in recent years. Thank heavens for Lindsey Graham. Thank heavens for Kavanaugh. By the way, Kavanaugh wasn't taking any guff either. He's got some great moments too. Play 19. Now, you talked about your yearbook. Uh, in your yearbook, uh, you talked about drinking and sexual exploits, did you not? Senator, let me, uh, let me take a step back and explain uh, high school. Uh, I was number one in the class. Freshman. I, and I thought no, only no, the no, 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 no. I thought only the Senate. You got this up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my high school. No, no. I'm gonna Let him answer. I'm going to talk about my high school record if you're going to sit here and mock me. We, you know, if we want to sit here and talk about whether a Supreme Court nomination should be based on a high school yearbook page, I think that's uh, taken us to a new level of absurdity. There's nothing too absurd for Democrats. They debase themselves. These people should never be taken seriously again. I want you to really remember what happened today. I want you to remember how the Democrats acted. I do not want any of us to forget the next time, whether it's Pelosi or Schumer or Leahy or Feinstein or any of these clowns starts telling us about how Trump is undermining our institutions. These people have polluted the Senate. And they have made a mockery of the Supreme Court. And they have destroyed willingly and openly some of the most fundamental principles of justice in this country, such as the presumption of innocence, such as due process. Just threw it on a bonfire of their own grotesque desire for power. We should not forget. We should never let this fade from our memories. And we're not out of the woods yet. We'll see what happens with this upcoming vote. I, I think that Flake cannot be trusted. It will come down to Collins and Murkowski. Because as you know, Pence can and would break a tie. Do Collins and Murkowski feel like they, this whole notion of the, 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 the victim sensibility among so many Democrat women on the left is astonishing to me. They, there's really so much rage toward just men in general. And they and they reflect this onto Kavanaugh as though he's now 
a totem. I mean, he's a proxy for all of the sexual assaults in all history. There's so much anger within feminism. There's so much vitriol and viciousness. Where is the joy? I was going to say, you know, where is the beauty? I mean, internal beauty, but what, what is happening to these women that are so nasty toward Brett Kavanaugh? We'll talk about it. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. You've tried hard. You've given it your all. No one can question your effort, but your coordinated and well-funded effort to destroy my good name and destroy my family will not drive me out. The vile threats of violence against my family will not drive me out. You may defeat me in the final vote, but you'll never get me to quit. Never. Kavanaugh's fighting, folks. Kavanaugh is standing and fighting for himself. I was just so angry seeing some of the journalists' hot takes on Twitter saying, oh, he sounds like an angry drunk. How would they sound if somebody was coming forth after 36 years? He doesn't even know this woman. He's never even met her. How would they feel if someone they'd never met tried to ruin their life and say that they had groped her and tried to rape her? I would be pretty damn PO'd too. I thought Kavanaugh showed tremendous restraint in some ways. I mean, I would probably just start freaking out and cursing and saying, who wants to fight? I mean, I would lose my mind, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. I'm just, the whole thing has been so low, so appalling. Now, now let, let's get into this, because this vote's probably going to, Well, we'll know if the vote's going to happen tomorrow morning. They're going to figure this out tonight. Um, But here is why I don't believe her. Isn't so interesting? She gets coddled. She gets treated like she's in a five-hour therapy session. Everyone can say, I believe her. And if you say, like, you don't believe her, then, oh, my gosh, you're not respecting a victim. Kavanaugh comes in there. They're destroying his life. And they're like, ha-ha, drunk, loud Kavanaugh. These people are jackals. They're vile. And they're Democrats. They're the left. This is what we, this is what we were up against. This is why you listen to this show every night. We have to find each other and stay together and stay strong. Because this country falling into the hands of the, of people like Durbin, like Feinstein, like Hirono, is a nightmare. Is a nightmare. It's no wonder the economy was so lackluster and everything was just. Uh, it's also depressing when Obama and the Democrats had full control of the government. It's a mess. Here's my problem with Ford's testimony. I mean, I could go on at, at length about this, but there are massive holes, all right? She says she's sure that Kavanaugh is the one who did this to her. Absolutely sure, 100%, no doubt in her mind. As I've told you, that's every person who's ever sent someone to prison for life, for murder, or for rape also thought that, unless they were just lying which is also possible but they they i'm sure they were sure 
Otherwise, they wouldn't have said it. Here's what she does remember about this. She remembers that they laughed at her. She remembers the assault in, in, in detail. Here's what she doesn't remember. Okay. Where was this? What house? This is your neighborhood. This isn't, she wasn't in some strange town or city. You don't know what the, how, you haven't gone back to find the house? You have no interest in knowing what the house is? You wouldn't know it if you saw it? Where is the house? Doesn't know. Can't tell us. Okay, she's 15 years old, can't drive at the time, doesn't have a license. She's miles from her actual home, based on the vicinity of the country club, as was shown on the maps during the hearing. All right. Who took her home after this event? She doesn't know. Really? You've suffered a horrific trauma. You had to ask somebody for a ride home. You don't remember who gave you that ride home? You don't remember who you reached out to to get a ride home after the horrific trauma? You didn't call a best friend? You didn't call a parent? Clearly, you didn't have anybody at the party because they all deny that she was there, but we'll get to that in a moment. Did you hitchhike? Get a ride with a stranger? Doesn't remember. That's not credible. I don't believe that. I mean, I think that she doesn't know because I don't think this happened, but that is not a credible answer. Oh, yeah, I just don't remember. I don't remember who did that because she clearly, she didn't walk home. No way. It's like six miles. She'd certainly remember that. Um, doesn't remember how she got to the party. Who invited you? Who took you there? Doesn't remember. Okay. Well, yet again, maybe you could say, oh, it was a long time ago, but well, it's a long time ago, excuses everything, but it's a long time ago, you better take her memory of Brett Kavanaugh 100% seriously and, and know that it's for real or else. That, that's not how this works. That doesn't wash. You don't get to only remember the one fact that destroys a man and forget all the other facts around it that would allow him to clear he, his good name. Um, how did she... Get home, we don't know. When did it happen? She doesn't know. Where did it happen? She doesn't know. What were her conversations like the last few months depending around this event? She doesn't know. Who was at the party? She doesn't know. Four people, five people, maybe six people. And now let's get into the recreation of the event itself. She claims that she was pushed into a room. Who pushed her? She doesn't know. Claims she was pushed into a room and then held down against her will, hand over her mouth. Kavanaugh, she says, trying to rip off her, her one-piece ba- one bathing suit, um, which, of course, would also be a, a, a very difficult and awkward thing to try and do. But uh, And then she says that there was no music downstairs. They turned the music up to muffle her cries, you know, or to muffle the sound. So nobody. So that means that they started blasting music upstairs. But there were only three or four people downstairs. They weren't blasting music. This wasn't a party. What she described is a small social gathering. Five, six people? I could have five, six people watching a football game in my living room, you know, tomorrow, right? That's, that's not a lot of people. So this happens to her, she says. And there's a laughing and, a, and they stumble down the stairs because they're so drunk afterwards. I'd also note that they're, they're apparently such aggressive, you know, they're such aggressive predators that they, they were going to hold her down and rape her. And then she falls off the bed and she goes out the door. 
wait, she heard them laughing, so she waited for them to leave. I'm actually, I'm actually confused about something here as I'm telling you this, my friends. So she says that, that he jumps on top, knocks Kavanaugh, a judge jumps on top, knocks Kavanaugh over. She runs out the door, and then she hears them laughing, and they stumble down the stairs. But where is she during that? Is she, she has run down the stairs? She's run outside? How does she hear them laughing? I'm being serious. I don't understand. As I'm telling you this, I'm trying to recreate what she said. I, I listened to her entire testimony in detail. And I'm not understanding her construction of events here. No one downstairs, this is this we know for sure, no one downstairs knew what had happened upstairs. She did not tell anybody. She did not say anything about it. And they didn't know that any that something was up here? Was this another one of these, quote, roving rape gangs that we were told about by the other accuser? And I would note, are we to believe that accusation too? Everyone who was saying, look at Blasey Ford, she's crying, she seems so believable to them. So are we, are we thinking now the second and the third allegations, which are even flimsier and crazier, those are true as well? Because if those aren't true, then there is a political hit underway. Are we to believe that there's a political hit involving sexual assault allegations that are fake? Two of them are fake, one of them is real? In fact, four of them are fake, one of them is real? Very suspicious, isn't it? Nobody downstairs at this party that she doesn't even know the full number of people who was there, uh, who were there. Nobody knew about this. She said nothing to anyone. Another point here. And I know I'm going, I know I'm getting into sensitive territory, but a man's life hangs in the balance. She was so traumatized by this that she didn't tell anyone. But she... Explain this to me, someone. The, the actual things that happened to her, she, she, was not, she was not raped. So she was so traumatized by him grabbing at her and, and putting his hand over her mouth for a moment that she couldn't tell anyone? I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm not saying that necessarily means she's lying. I find that, though, strange. If somebody attempted to rape you, uh, wouldn't you be more likely to tell adults or tell the police because... The shame would be the shame that a survivor would feel who had actually been raped would maybe be so overwhelming that she would not want to speak out. But in this this attempt was so egregious and so and so violent that she was unwilling to tell anybody, including the people downstairs. She said that they covered her mouth because she was going to cry out for help once she was able to get out of the room. She didn't cry out then. Nobody knew. No one heard. She gets free of these individuals. She goes outside and what? She strolls nonchalantly down the stairs and out the door. She doesn't tell anybody right afterwards. Someone explain that to me. I don't understand how this is possible. She's trying to scream for help. She escaped, she says. She didn't walk out of the room, you know, on her own. She escaped because they fell down. She escapes the room. She doesn't yell help. She doesn't yell, oh, my God, look what they're doing to me. Oh, my God, just something doesn't yell anything. Because nobody else knows. In fact, everybody else is going on record saying this did not happen. I do not find her construction of events today believable. And I know I'm not the only one. Go back and listen to how she describes this. Not only are there holes, it does not make sense. And the moment that she starts to fall into a, a place where it's clear that she can't just make something up because, oh, I don't really remember. I don't really remember. A lot of very convenient, I don't remember. 
a lot of, oh, if this were, I mean, Kavanaugh says he wasn't even there on weekends. Isn't it interesting that she can't tell us the house? If we knew the house, we would know exactly who might have been there. And they might have been able to corroborate or, in this case, eliminate her story. There's no ability to falsify these allegations. There's no ability to prove that she's lying. This and the second and the third allegation are all constructed specifically with that in mind. I know that, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been called more heinous things by journalists, by people in media, and by strangers in the last two weeks than probably any time in my, in my career. I do not care. I stand with Kavanaugh. He should be voted through and placed in the Supreme Court, and I hope that he serves 40 years, and I hope that he crushes all the liberal lunacy that the court has inflicted on the American people. That is the only just outcome here. And I am honest with you when I say I'm going to be praying for it tonight. Here's an idea. Drink delicious coffee that can get delivered to your door and that is run by, started by, owned by American patriots. Guys who are veterans, in fact, they're veterans of the special operations community, Black Rifle Coffee. I drink Black Rifle every day. I am converting people in my office away from those commie coffee brands and getting them to be all about the Black Rifle. Go to blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Check out the different blends. They've got whole beans, ground beans, different K-cups. You will love it. Just give it a shot and you'll see for yourself. Blackriflecoffee.com slash 15% off your first order. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Check out Silencer Smooth. Honestly, that's among my favorites, but they also even have Freedom Blend. So what do you want? Madagascar Vanilla Latte flavor or Freedom Blend? I think it's quite obvious. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. 15% off your first order. Was it communicated to you by your counsel or someone else that the committee had asked to interview you and that they offered to come out to California to do so? We're going to object, Mr. Chairman, to any uh, call for privileged conversations between counsel and Dr. Ford. It's a privilege. Would, would, could, could, we, could you validate the fact that the offer was made without her saying a word? Can I say something to you? Do you mind if I say something to you directly? Yeah. Um, I just appreciate that you did offer that. I wasn't clear on what the offer was. If you were going to come out to see me, I would have happily hosted you and had you had been happy to speak with you out there. I just did not, it wasn't clear to me that that was the case. Why did you decide to take a polygraph? Um, I didn't see any reason not to do it. Were you advised to do that? Again, you're... you're seeming to call for communications between counsel and client. I don't think you mean to do that. If you do, she shouldn't have to answer that. Could, would, counsel, uh, could you let her answer the extent to which she do, do, doesn't violate the, the relationship between you and Dr. Ford? Based on the advice of the counsel, I was happy to undergo the polygraph test, although I found it extremely stressful much longer than I anticipated. I told my whole life story, I felt like, but I endured it. It was fine. So there you just had some of the... I did want to spend some time on what Blasey Ford said. 
Those that, that was some exchanges with Grassley and her attorneys, her Feinstein approved and I'm sure Soros approved, probably attorneys uh, who one apparently didn't tell her that the committee was willing to send out people to talk to her in California. She didn't have to come to the hearing if she didn't want to. Oh, no, they wanted her to be at that hearing, meaning the left wanted her to be there. They knew it was necessary for maximum impact. But then why did she lie, or her, at least her team lied, about flying? That, that was one of the things today that you know, the left is going to say, oh, who cares? Well, they're, they're going through Kavanaugh's high school yearbook like it's the Pentagon Papers, but we're supposed to not care at all that Blasey Ford flies all over the place but couldn't fly in order to do the hearing earlier this week when we know that delay is the primary mission of the Democrats right now. Number one. Top of the list. We know it. We're supposed to ignore that? On the polygraph, she said that she didn't know who paid for it. That's not a... What if it costs $1,000? You're not going to know that beforehand? I have no idea what a polygraph costs, by the way. I've been polygraphed, but I'd probably guess it costs you, you know, 500 or 1000 bucks. Well, of course, her attorneys paid for it. Her attorneys are doing all this pro bono, all this for free. Picked for her by Feinstein. Well, isn't that isn't that interesting? Um, there were a lot of little things, her changing of some of her state of her written statements, her inability to recall when, you know, she couldn't recall conversations she had two or three months ago. But, the you know, I come back to this. The only absolute certainty that Blasey Ford is able to offer is that Brett Kavanaugh, 36 years ago, groped her and tried to rape her. That seemed to be the only thing that she was just completely and absolutely sure about. A lot of other things were a bit hazy. A lot of other things were murky. And that one, though, she is, of course, entirely certain. Uh, I I just, you know, and then you have have some of the, I would just note, some of the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee are, are actually morons. You know, they're actually shockingly terrible. Uh, Hirono, who gave away the whole game on Sunday on TV and said that, uh, you know, she's knows that Kavanaugh is lying because essentially he's a conservative and he's a conservative on the court. Therefore, he must be lying. Hirono had this to say, play 15. Women and men all across America are disgusted and sick and tired of the way basic human decency has been driven from our public life. The president admits on tape to assaulting women. He, sep- he separates children from their parents. He takes basic health care protections from those who need them most. He nominates and stands behind a man who stands credibly accused of a horrible act. Health care protection. I mean, it just it turns this into a stump speech. No, no respect for what's really going on here. No respect for the fact that there is a man's life hanging in the balance. You could say, oh, Buck, he's not facing the death penalty. For someone like Kavanaugh to have your entire career and reputation destroyed might as well be the death penalty. That's how he's going to feel about this or how he would feel about this if he had not been able to stand and fight and and clear his name. His name is already cleared as far as I'm concerned. Unless there's some new evidence, which would be the first evidence that they can provide that he's guilty of any of this, which would be to me, about as likely as, you know, aliens landing and taking over America tomorrow, he's already been cleared. 
He cleared himself. We've heard the facts. We've heard the evidence. And the evidence lies entirely in favor of Kavanaugh's innocence. There can be no question about that. They can talk about how believable Ford sounded all they want. The facts are on Kavanaugh's side. Do you have opinions that you feel like you can't express? I think we all do. Are you looking for a place to stir up some conversations? Let your thoughts and your opinions be heard. I want to introduce you to an alternative social media site, Snippy.com. Snippy is an unbiased social media platform that's all about conversation and community. Snippy not only encourages freedom of expression, but guarantees its users the ability to discuss topics freely without any suppression from administrators. Check in for a quick update about current events or spend hours scrolling through users' posts. Write your thoughts and strike up conversations. Snippy's founders have intentionally created a forum where anyone can feel free to express their thoughts, frustrations, ideas, anything really. It's a place where discussion is valued, a place where your opinion matters, and it's totally free. Go to snippy.com now to express yourself. No shadow banning, no character limit, no suppression of conservative thought ever. Check out the website at snippy.com or download the app. No censorship, no agenda. Join snippy.com to get the discussion rolling. I'm going to need somebody to try and explain to me what the difference really is between masculinity and toxic masculinity as understood by the left. Now, I know what they would say, that toxic masculinity is a bad version of masculinity, but it seems to me that the attack on so-called toxic masculinity that's going on right now, and this is, this is being taught on campuses, this is new, that Me Too is making colleges teach Toxic Masculinity 101, uh, and, and this is a, a kind of retraining or re-education that goes on when you go onto campuses. Why can I never really get a definition of this? Why am I never told that uh, this is something that we can identify and we can understand? It's, it's kept very vague. So you have peer educators at Brown University that they're talking about in this article in the Daily Beast, which try to tell men through these workshops about toxic masculinity. The behaviors and attitudes of young men at educational institutions is under particular scrutiny right now. Oh, of course, because of Kavanaugh. You see, what, what's going on right now and why this, this Kavanaugh hearing has been so contentious is that you have so many different layers added on top of this. Um, you have the Me Too movement, which is this sexual assault uh, against, very, or rather, sexual assault at the hands of very, very powerful men, and it's brought down some huge names that we all know. We've talked about a lot on this show, but you also have the campus rape epidemic, as they call it. Which, when you apply logic and look at the numbers, you know this is not, in fact, true. And you know, speaking of numbers, Michelle Malkin yesterday, uh, who I, I've just always been a fan of i think she does really good work and she's just she's a she's a fighter she's compelling uh but michelle malkin released a video about what the what the true numbers are for false rape accusations and she said that it rate we were told in the academic literature it's two percent which by the way means that at least two in a hundred rape claims are completely fraudulent completely false and which means that someone's life is almost ruined because of a false rape claim but it's at least you know, two in a, in a hundred. Uh, but the real number is more like anywhere from 10 to 40 percent, meaning 10 to 40 out of 100. And once you're getting up into 30 or 40 percent, that's pretty terrifying, isn't it? Now, is that number true across the board? I, I don't know. Michelle put out this video. She has all the citations. 
I have heard, though, that 10 percent is the uh, based on real studies from large police departments like the NYPD and others. It's about 10 percent. So about one in 10 rape claims are completely fraudulent. And for people who will say, oh, well, you know, there are no I say, well, we could sit here and name some of the biggest fake rape claims that have ever uh, been in the media. We're all familiar with them. Duke lacrosse, UVA fraternity, Tawana Brawley. Uh, These were all um, just lies. Tucker Carlson has spoken and and it's it's terrifying. I never forgot when when Tucker uh, spoke about this when, when I heard him speak about this for the first time that he was accused by a woman he had never met in a city he had never been to of sexual assault, and he was terrified because she knew that just the allegation coming out and becoming public might ruin his life. Now he he also knew he was completely innocent and could prove himself to be a hundred percent innocent, and this was this was. Actually crazy, and the woman was mentally, she was deranged. She was a lunatic. But I have dealt with one or two uh, lunatics in my day as well uh, who were female. And let me tell you that when they start showing up at your home and they start leaving notes, even when you've told them not to, and they won't stop calling, and, you know, it it, it can get, it, it can really put you on edge because you don't know what the next thing is. You don't know what's going to happen when somebody goes to that part, that, that place where they no, longer, they no longer worry about boundaries and the social shame that they should feel for refusing to take no for an answer. This happens. It's happened to me. It happened to me very, uh, very young, very early on in my, in my life right after college. Uh, it's happened to other people, that, other guys that I know as well. And, and yet we only hear about toxic masculinity. I, I never hear about, well, how should, uh, how should we expect young women who, for example, are told that they're no longer in a romantic relationship with somebody to act? I, I've, never been, I've never been through that training, but toxic masculinity training on college campuses, that I have been through. Uh, and, and the truth is, y- you don't need to be told, if you're a good guy, you don't need to be told how to treat people. You already know how to treat people. Here, here's the answer to, you know, how do you treat a woman? You treat her well and the way that you would want to be treated if you were her, and you try to treat her as well as you would treat your own mother or your sister. Now, you're not always going to, you know, you're not always going to be reaching that level. I know some of you are saying, well, obviously, if you're trying to be romantic, I'm not trying to be weird either, but you know what I'm saying. You understand the point. You don't need all these special guidelines about, oh, I was told at college early on, if you uh, don't ask explicitly for consent at every stage of the sexual process, you may be, I was, this was my training, my freshman year of college, you may be transgressing in some way. Uh, You may be violating that woman. I was at a training for all of the resident counselors who are supposed to be there as, you know, well, as, as counselors for the students, where a, or a woman said in front of the whole group, I feel like if a guy says have sex with me three times in one night, it's almost like rape because he's basically like convincing me to do it when I don't want to. And the training professionals in the room said, yeah, that's right. That's, a, that's pretty much true. So if we're going to start talking about toxic masculinity, I think we need to have a much broader conversation. Or what are really the expectations? Running around acting like guys all over the place are just lurking, sketchy rapists is absurd. It's disgusting. It's a disgrace. But that's really the attitude of the left now. 
You know, and unless you buy into all of this, you're suspect. I mean, this is a new form of McCarthyism. Although McCarthy was largely right about the communist penetrations conversation for another time. But this is a, 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 a form of the kind of Salem witch hunt. Uh, and, and I know we say that about the Russia collusion investigation, too. I've got more thoughts on all this uh, coming up. Stay with me. I know that there's much bigger stories out there. So, well, one much bigger story out there. But, but I, I do think that this matters. Um, I think that this is one of these things that keeps coming up and it's easy to push it aside and think that there's much more, you know, important, uh, you know, pressing stories that we have to tackle in, in general, but also here on the show. But I think that the budget and the border is really important to the future of the Republican Party and to the future of the country. President Trump, according to CNBC here, may choose to shut down the government this weekend over his border wall demands. Here's what they're saying. The House is expected to pass a bill that would fund the Pentagon and a few other agencies for a year, uh, combined with a stopgap measure to sustain the rest of the government for a short time. It would not, however, fund Trump's proposed barrier on the U.S.-Mexico border. The lack of cash for the project has frustrated Trump who last week called the bill ridiculous and urged Republicans to get tough. Trump tweeted out, I want to know where's the money for border security and the wall in this ridiculous spending bill and where will it come from after the midterms? Dems are obstructing law enforcement and border security. Republicans must finally get tough. Senate already approved the legislation. Veto would stop it from becoming law if it gets through the House. Trump has waffled on the idea of shutting down the government. House Speaker Paul Ryan said Wednesday the president told him he would sign the spending bill. Government funding expires at midnight on Monday, Eastern time. Okay. I go back to this. If not now, when? If not now, how? We've been told that there will be a border wall. I spoke to the president of the Oval Office about this at some length. I asked him, I said, are we going to get a wall? Straightforward question. I want to know. And he said, well, it's up to the it's up to the Senate. It's up to uh, people to vote even more Republicans in. And well, that's fine. And that may even be true. It's not realistic. We are not going to get more Republicans in. Uh, We are not going to be in a position to just shut out all these Democrat obstruction efforts to, to get a wall. I have a uh, an interview that you can see it'll be airing on Monday with the chief of the Drug Enforcement Administration, which I asked him, he said it's always been the Drug Enforcement Administration. I feel like I feel like uh, 20 years ago it was the Drug Enforcement Agency. And since you run it, don't anyway, I I was a little surprised. Bruce or Mike, you can fact check me on that. I feel like it, it, it was it used to be called the Drug Enforcement Agency, even if people technically were supposed to call it the administration. But I, I spoke to him, and this is a, a story that doesn't get nearly the coverage that it should because of what the implications of it really are. We just had last week, I told you here, 20 million people in the country illegally, at least, at least. We keep getting told 11. Oh, it's 11, it's 11. No, it is not. It's 20 million. People need to stop lying about this, okay? They need to stop lying. It is not 11 million, it's 20 million. And when you say, oh, Buck, they're not lying, that's what, the, that's what the numbers are. Yeah, but we all know that the survey is garbage. We all know that there's no way the numbers basically stayed the same for 10 or 15 years now. It's just static. 
The U.S. population is, is growing by millions and millions, but the illegal population, which boomed in the 90s and uh, in the early 2000s, has just stayed static, too, because people are going back to Mexico? Come on. That's, that is not a fully cooked tamale, okay? That does not work. I, I just do not accept that. So, you know, I, I sit here and I, and I think about, well, what can we really do? By the way, Brandon, what is your favorite Mexican dish, if I had to ask? And, and, and Mike, you too. Favorite Mexican dish? On the spot right now. You're in a Mexican restaurant. You're going to order what? Brandon, go. I'm boring. I just like my tacos. Hard shell beef tacos. Hard shell beef tacos. Wow. It's yeah, very I'm, like, very, very grammar school lunchtime of you. I right. have a palate of a 10-year-old. So you're right. All right. Fair enough. I fair like enough. the spicy stuff. Producer, the producer spicier Mike? the better. I'm a fan Ooh, of like, I like you. The, yeah, I like the uh, chimichangas. It gets a little messy, but they're good. Chimichanga. Yeah. I, I agree. Well, I think when, when when fajitas are really good, it gets me excited. And I just kind of like being able to put all the stuff together. But like Mexican food's great. And as somebody with celiac disease, because so much of it is corn based, you're in really good shape. So uh, Mexican is probably my go to for the the non American uh, cuisines or not American cuisine. I should say not American cuisines. Anyway, so back to the border wall. A border wall is going to be helpful for DEA and Border Patrol and other federal agencies efforts to stop what is the most pressing public health crisis in the country. You, you see this now. There's, there's stories, and they'll talk, oh, we got to go after the prescription drug companies. we got to go after the prescription drug companies. Guess what? They, they've already changed their guidelines. They're already paying huge settlements. DEA has anybody who can prescribe drugs on a list, and they are monitoring them. I mean, people that you know are, are either pharmacies or, or doctors. That's already going on. Now, you could say, oh, there needs to be class action lawsuits. Okay, fine, but what's going to stop people from dying from opioid overdoses tomorrow we had 74,000 people die in this country last year and here's what you're not getting from the media those drugs are overwhelmingly illegally obtained in many cases entirely illegal as a substance but at least illegally obtained so it's either prescription drugs that are being sold to somebody who hasn't ha- who shouldn't have them but that's not as much of the issue as Uh, illegally created and sold opioids like fentanyl and carfentanyl. Carfentanyl is an elephant tranquilizer. It is not even meant for any form of human use. When somebody says, hey, dude, do you want to try elephant tranquilizer? The answer should be a decided hell no. You will never survive that. But people do it. People do it. So powerful that even touching it, you can overdose. Think about that. It's almost like a radioactive substance. It's it's insane. And it's being made in vast quantities. You know how it's getting into the country? Southern border. And it's also being sent through our own mail. The Chinese are making it because Chinese organized crime is a much bigger problem than a lot of people realize. Uh, The Chinese are making And by the way, organized crime in China is also... You've got to assume that there it's a at least partially state, not state backed in any official sense, but you're not going to be able to move, move any real product in China overseas unless you're paying people off within the government infrastructure. And there's obviously a tremendous amount of corruption. Uh, countries like North Korea engage in drug sales abroad as a means of getting hard currency. So that really is. And Venezuela, by the way, the same thing. So that is state backed uh, n- narco 
you know, narco trafficking. But it's primarily coming over the southern border. They're making this stuff in labs in Mexico. They're, they're able to pay chemists out of school in Mexico much more than they're going to make if they go work at uh, La Farmacia. So they're making this stuff. It goes over the border and then it's killing 70,000 Americans. If I could if I told you that there was a program that we could put in place that would cost, let's say, 10 billion dollars and would save 30,000 American lives next year. Wouldn't you say that that's worth that's definitely worth the cost? And then some. What if I told you it was worth 3,000 American lives? Wouldn't that be worth the cost? What if I told you, I mean, you keep going down, you say, okay, at what point, think of how much money we're spending on different government programs to deal with addiction and treatment and incarceration and try to save lives. And we have the possibility of doing something that is so straightforward that it, it, you almost feel like it, it has to work. There's no way it wouldn't work. And the Democrats stand athwart it. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that they have uh, blood on their hands. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that they are complicit in terms of what they're willing to uh, turn a blind eye to when it comes to narco trafficking by the cartels over our border and the vast, vast misery and suffering and death. Remember, 74,000 people died. How many hundreds of thousands of people have their lives shattered by that? For every person who dies, they have loved ones, they have friends, they have colleagues. They're not the same afterwards. As I've told you before, I've had I had two friends, both of whom I believe it was we didn't really ever get clear answers because we wanted to respect the family's wishes. But I had two friends die of drug overdoses, uh, and both were prescription drugs. From what I from what I was told, both were prescription drug overdoses. So I mean, this is very real. I know a lot of you listening know people too, and and that's why. I feel like if you're not going to go to a budget uh, a budget fight over this, if you're not going to shut down the government to get that wall built, when are you going to do it? When is this going to happen? Democrats certainly never want it to happen. I would ask this to Trump and to the Republicans again. If you're not going to fight now, when are you going to fight? Not sure they have a good answer. Information is essential for your business to function the way it has to. And you know that the people that are applying for jobs with you, they don't necessarily present everything the way that it is. And you have liabilities, right? You have to make sure that whoever you're bringing in there doesn't have a criminal background, doesn't have any problems, no big lawsuits, none of that stuff, right? You need to make sure you're bringing on people you can trust. That's why you need somebody you can trust doing those background checks for you. Global Verification Network is the answer. Global Verification Network is a veteran-owned and operated company based out of Chicago. They do not outsource any of their work. They've got offices throughout the country, and they are all about efficiency, discretion, and getting the job done. Whether you're a small company, a startup, all the way up to a huge Fortune 100, you should have Global Verification Network doing your background checks. Go to mygvn.com. Again, that's mygvn.com. And be sure you tell them that Buck Sexton sent you. Gotta love this. The left is running into some more trouble on one of those issues where they don't really have much in the way of an answer. They can't really tell you where they stand or what what they have uh, in terms of a response. They just go, why are you so mean? Why don't you want more diversity? U.S. investigating Yale. Oh, Yale. Over complaint of bias against Asian-American applicants. Let, let me just 
Let me just give you the, the punchline right away here, folks. Oh, yes. The left-wing edifice of affirmative action is beginning to crumble, and it's because they discriminate against Asians. You know, I, I had a... Oh, before I get into my personal experience with these kinds of things, here's the story. This is New York Times. The Trump administration is investigating whether Yale University illegally discriminated against Asian-American applicants. The Justice and Education Department's have begun a civil rights investigation into whether Yale discriminated against Asian Americans by treating applicants differently based on race during the admissions process, according to a letter from the Education Department's Office for Civil Rights sent to the student who filed a complaint against Yale. The Justice Department is also investigating Harvard's use of race in its admissions policies, and last month it publicly backed students who accused Harvard in a lawsuit of systematically discriminating against them by suppressing the number of Asian Americans who attend. Uh, they could have far-reaching consequences for college admission policies and for affirmative action, a tool born in the civil rights era to make American education and opportunities more equitable. Yes, also known as now a racial spoils system, as per the uh, comments of Justice Scalia when they looked at this issue. Uh, The left eventually collapses into incoherence on any issue, whether it's the redistribution of wealth or gender uh, binarity, I don't know if that's a word, but being gender binary, any of these things. The left eventually collapses into incoherence because they change what they stand for and what they want based upon emotion and a desire for power, not on any fundamental underlying principles. Right? They are not really tethered to anything other than a lust for power and a desire to oppose certain things. Uh, and I mean that all the way down to the basis of the state. They they oppose the notion of the individual as the single and singular entity of any state. It's all about the individual. Every, everything else runs into a lot of trouble. Right? You don't treat people like groups. You don't have collective guilt. You don't have collective punishment. You don't have collective, uh, uh, you know, identity. It's all about the individual. And the left has created this whole sloganeered and nonsensical idea of this diversity. Diversity is our strength. Diversity is our strength. What does that mean? What kind of diversity? Is it even true? The empirical data that we have on this, for example, shows that in some cases, diversity is, in terms of academic outcomes, not in fact a strength. Let me tell you what I mean. The University of California system eliminated race in admissions preferences uh, about, I don't know, I think about 15 or 20 years ago. Did that mean that there were no more minorities going to the Cal school system? No, of course not. Did it mean that there was something of a, uh, of a drop in black and Latino students at the absolute top of the Cal system? Schools like Berkeley and uh, what's the other? Brandon, what's the other top one that's um, um, uh, Berkeley and UCLA? And uh, also, I think Cal, Cal, Caltech is up. It's, no, Caltech is private, right? I forget. But Berkeley and UCLA, for sure. There was a slight drop. Maybe they went from, you know, 10% Lat, uh, Latino and 5% black to, you know, 8% Latino and 3% black, something like that. And that was, so at the very elite echelon of a school that's taking 15%, 10% of all the applicants, maybe less than that, 
uh, there was something of a shift, but also the graduation rates of Latino and black students from other California schools. So within the same system, just not quite as uh, as difficult in terms of it's really based a lot of it on test scores to get into went up. So what the data told us there is that when you have people that are going to schools that are more in line now, people could say, oh, that's a how can you say it's a terrible thing? I'm sorry. Is, is, is everybody who goes to USC, you know, not smart? Of course not. There are brilliant people at USC. It's just a question of how elite. I mean, now you're really slicing the onion very thin. Is it better to go to a California state school and graduate, uh, you know, at the in the top third of your class or to fail out of Berkeley? So that was the shift that occurred when they got rid of race as a factor in in admissions. And and as we know, race as a factor in admissions also is a at at in the best case scenario. It's something that results in just blatantly unfair outcomes. I mean, I, I went to Amherst College and I had a few friends who were uh, who were black. In fact, a couple of them were Jamaican and they were from very well off families and went to elite prep schools. And they had such an interesting take on race and all this in America because they were always treated as though you know they, they would be brought to these diversity hiring events and all the rest of it. And, and they I think one of them was the, the dad was a professor. The another one, the dad was like a minister of, you know, probably finance or something for, for Jamaica. I mean, I don't know, but uh, these are people who went to $50,000 a year private schools and for high school. That's right. $50,000 a year. And they were considered under they were treated as though they were underprivileged minorities because of their skin color and their ethnicity. I mean, and their um, nationality, you know, obviously skin color is ethnicity. So. That's not really the outcome you're looking for. Meanwhile, I, I knew people who were uh, who fell into kind of the cracks, uh, particularly if you're a you know South Asian student or or East Asian. We know is overrepresented, so Korean, uh, Chinese, Japanese overrepresented in the elite schools. Uh, but South Asians are also very well represented in schools, and they don't get any affirmative action. And what's the justification for this? You know, what what is the what is the answer the left gives you? And the, what the, the answer is they lie. We've seen a lot of that recently, haven't we, on the left? The answer is they lie about this. They tell us that, you know, maybe this is an unfair policy in certain instances, but it's, it's necessary for the overall goal of, of promoting diversity. You know, it, it, maybe it's unjust in some cases, in some instances, but there's something, there's something to this. There's something to be done with this, and we can't just ignore it and... Um, and pretend that there's not all these great benefits. You say, well, what are the benefits exactly? I don't know, the benefits are diversity or is our strength. Well, hold on. Are you discriminating against Asians or not? The answer is they are. Are Asians minorities? Yes, they are. So you're discriminating against Asians and not dealing with the fact that Asians are overrepresented in these schools. Is it because they have white privilege? Why are Asians overrepresented at Harvard and Yale and MIT? Why? The left doesn't want to doesn't want to even look at that. Is it because of traditional family structure in Asia transported to America and then through, uh, you know, generations of you know, Asian Americans and people born in this country, but to Asian or, you know, uh, parents or grandparents who are Asian, that family structure remains intact? I mean, there's a lot of discussion that could be had here. The left doesn't want to have that discussion. They just want to tell everybody that America's racist and the only way to deal with that racism is to put people into different places. And it, it's really it, it is always a form of, of tokenism. Right. To put people into the 
elite levels of these schools, when in many cases that is not where their academic merit would would uh, land them, and just and just keep pushing, and then it goes through into professional levels too, and then it goes through into you know grad school and and hiring, and no, no, you, you cannot undermine the meritocracy and then say that you're promoting a meritocracy. That's what the left is doing, and I hope that the Trump administration finally brings this entire uh, delusion. This whole myth about the need for diversity as they see it to a halt. Gotta love this. The left is running into some more trouble on one of those issues where they don't really have much the way of an answer. They can't really tell you where they stand or what what they have uh, in terms of a response. They just go, why are you so mean? Why don't you want more diversity? U.S. investigating Yale. Oh, Yale over complaint of bias against Asian American applicants. Let let me just let me just give you the the punchline right away here folks. Oh yes. The left-wing edifice of affirmative action is beginning to crumble and it's because they discriminate against Asians. You know, I I had a oh before I get into my personal experience with these kinds of things. Here's the story. This is New York Times. The Trump administration is investigating whether Yale University illegally discriminated against Asian-American applicants. The Justice and Education Departments have begun a civil rights investigation into whether Yale discriminated against Asian-Americans by treating applicants differently based on race during the admissions process, according to a letter from the Education Department's Office for Civil Rights sent to the student who filed the complaint against Yale. The Justice Department is also investigating Harvard's use of race in its admissions policies. And last month, it publicly backed students who accused Harvard in a lawsuit of systematically discriminating against them by suppressing the number of Asian Americans who attend. Uh, They could have far-reaching consequences for college admission policies and for affirmative action, a tool born in the civil rights era to make American education and opportunities more equitable. Yes, also known as now a racial spoils system, as per the Uh, comments of Justice Scalia when they looked at this issue. Uh, The left eventually collapses into incoherence on any issue, whether it's the redistribution of wealth or gender uh, binarity. I don't know if that's a word, but being gender binary, any of these things. The left eventually collapses into incoherence because they change what they stand for and what they want based upon emotion and a desire for power, not on any fundamental underlying principles, right? They are not really tethered to anything other than a lust for power and a desire to oppose certain things. Uh, and I mean that all the way down to the basis of the state. They, they oppose the notion of the individual as the single and singular entity of any state. It's all about the individual. Everything else runs into a lot of trouble. You don't treat people like groups. You don't have collective guilt. You don't have collective punishment. You don't have collective, uh, you know, identity. It's all about the individual. And the left has created this whole sloganeered and nonsensical idea of this diversity. Diversity is our strength. Diversity is our strength. What does that mean? What kind of diversity? Is it even true? The empirical data that we have on this, for example, shows that in some cases, diversity is, in terms of academic outcomes, 
not in fact a strength. Let me tell you what I mean. The University of California system eliminated race in admissions preferences uh, about, I don't know, I think about 15 or 20 years ago. Did that mean that there were no more minorities going to the Cal school system? No, of course not. Did it mean that there was something of a, uh, of a drop in black and Latino students at the absolute top of the Cal system? Schools like Berkeley and uh, what's the other? Brandon, what's the other top one that's um, um, uh, Berkeley and UCLA? And uh, also, I think Cal, Cal, Caltech is up. It's, no, Caltech is private, right? I forget. But Berkeley and UCLA, for sure. There was a slight drop. Maybe they went from, you know, 10% Lat, uh, Latino and 5% black to, you know, 8% Latino and 3% black, something like that. And that was, so at the very elite echelon of a school that's taking 15%, 10% of all the applicants, maybe less than that, uh, there was something of a shift. But also the graduation rates of Latino and black students from other California schools... So within the same system, just not quite as uh, as difficult in terms of it's really based a lot of it on test scores to get into went up. So what the data told us there is that when you have people that are going to schools that are more in line now, people could say, oh, that's a how can you say it's a terrible thing? I'm sorry. Is, is, is everybody who goes to USC, you know, not smart? Of course not. Right? There are brilliant people at USC. It's just a question of. How elite? I mean, now you're really slicing the onion very thin. Is it better to go to a California state school and graduate, uh, you know, at, at the in the top third of your class or to fail out of Berkeley? So that was the shift that occurred when they got rid of race as a factor in in admissions. And and as we know, race as a factor in admissions also is a at at in the best case scenario. It's something that results in just blatantly unfair outcomes. I mean, I went to Amherst College and I had a few friends who were uh, who were black. In fact, a couple of them were Jamaican and they were from very well off families and went to elite prep schools. And they had such an interesting take on race and all this in America because they were always treated as though you know they would be brought to these diversity hiring events and all the rest of it. And and they. I think one of them was the the dad was a professor. The another one, the dad was like a minister of, you know, probably finance or something for, for Jamaica. I mean, I don't know. But uh, these are people who went to $50,000 a year private schools and for high school. That's right. $50,000 a year. And they were considered under they were treated as though they were underprivileged minorities because of their skin color and their ethnicity. I mean, and their um, nationality. You know, obviously, skin color is ethnicity. So. That's not really the outcome you're looking for. Meanwhile, I, I knew people who were uh, who fell into kind of the cracks, uh, particularly if you're a you know South Asian student or or East Asian. We know it's overrepresented, so Korean, uh, Chinese, Japanese overrepresented in the elite schools. Uh, but South Asians are also very well represented in schools, and they don't get any affirmative action. And what's the justification for this? You know, what wh what is the what is the answer the left gives you? And the, what the, the answer is they lie. We've seen a lot of that recently, haven't we, on the left? The answer is they lie about this. They tell us that, you know, maybe this is an unfair policy in certain instances, but it's, it's necessary for the overall goal of, of promoting diversity. You know, it, it, maybe it's unjust in some cases, in some instances, but there's something, there's something to this. There's something to be done with this. 
and we can't just ignore it and um, and pretend that there's not all these great benefits. Yeah, well, what are the benefits exactly? I don't know. The benefits are diversity or is our strength. Well, hold on. Are you discriminating against Asians or not? The answer is they are. Are Asians minorities? Yes, they are. So you're discriminating against Asians and not dealing with the fact that Asians are overrepresented in these schools. Is it because they have white privilege? Why are Asians overrepresented at Harvard and Yale and MIT? Why? The left doesn't want to doesn't want to even look at that. Is it because of traditional family structure in Asia transported to America and then through uh, you know generations of you know Asian Americans and people born in this country but to Asian or you know uh, parents or grandparents who are Asian? That family structure remains intact. I mean, there's a lot of discussion that could be had here. The left doesn't want to have that discussion. They just want to tell everybody that America's racist, and the only way to deal with that racism is to put people into different places. And it, it's really, it, it is always a form of, of tokenism, right? To put people into the elite levels of these schools, when in many cases that is not where their academic merit would, would uh, land them. And just and just keep pushing. And then it goes through into professional levels, too. And then it goes through into, you know, grad school and, and hiring. And no, no, you, you cannot undermine the meritocracy and then say that you're promoting a meritocracy. That's what the left is doing. And I hope that the Trump administration finally brings this entire uh, delusion, this whole myth about the need for diversity as they see it to a halt. It's time for Roll Call. Team, it has been a tough day. That much is for sure. I, I, I don't see it improving all that much tomorrow, except I guess in its way, moving on is going to allow us to at least be in a different place. Although as a country, I don't know if we'll be in that much of a better one. I, I can't lie to you. I'm, uh, I am I am deeply concerned. This isn't about political party. This is about basic justice and fairness and decency and what kind of country we want to be in and who do we elevate and who do we punish. And what we have seen with Kavanaugh is a man who's the subject of the most disgusting and disgraceful character and assassination and really just human being obliteration I've ever seen. So... I'm, I'm going to do a couple of roll calls tonight because I I just I want to get a lot of your thoughts in. I know you were watching this this hearing, too. And man, uh, it's tough. It's tough to be an optimist about things right now. I'll be on, I'll be honest with you. But let's get to it. Uh, Facebook dot com slash Buck Sexton with your thoughts. And that's how we do it. Uh, William writes, I like the look of snippy. But they don't seem to have an Android app. Maybe you can pass along those of us who have yet to sell our souls to Apple would like an app too. Uh, William, I will, I will tell them. I'm in contact with the company and I will certainly pass along that uh, it would be nice if we could get an Android app for folks too. Keith writes, Kavanaugh hit it out of the park with his opening statement. I didn't think it possible, but I have an even higher opinion of him now. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I, uh, I, I agree. I just... I was thinking about what he said about his uh, 10-year-old daughter again and how she wanted to pray for Blasey Ford, um, who, after today, as I've said, I, I think she is 
uh, confused and very sad. Uh, I'm not I'm not actually sold that she is uh, actively evil. I think people are using her for evil. I, I think she may be somebody who needs help. Uh, that that's my that's my assessment after what I saw today. Um, but anyway, Keith says, I didn't think it possible till now. I'm also optimistic about his appointment for the first time in two weeks. I wish him the best regardless. Keith, uh, Keith, I totally agree. I completely and totally agree. And I think that Kavanaugh inspired us um, to be under those circumstances in front of his wife, in front of the entire country, millions and millions of people watching. He's been accused of these terrible things. And we know, you and I know, he's not, he's not guilty of them. He did not do these things. There's no evidence that he did these things. And it would be completely out of character for him to do them and also be almost impossible for these things to happen and there to be no evidence or outcry at the time. I just don't buy it. Never have. Uh, Randy writes, Kavanaugh is on fire. I hope the Republican senators give him a standing ovation when he's through with his opening statement. Uh, Randy, I think the Republican senators have been very ineffective in a whole bunch of ways so far. Uh, in this whole process, I agree with you that he's on fire, that Kavanaugh's on fire. Uh, I just wish that the Republicans in the Senate had a little bit of a better idea of just what the heck they are doing. Uh, Eric writes a few things here. She may have proved that she was attacked or at least oh, no, he's writing about the polygraph buck. I'd suggest taking a look at the written statement that her polygraph was administered against. Blasey Ford's statement that was used in her poly didn't name Kavanaugh as the person who attacked her. She wrote Brett Kavanaugh and but crossed it out and then wrote two boys. So the only thing her polygraph tells us is that two boys pushed her into a room, but she couldn't say without deception or else she would have left Kavanaugh that Kavanaugh was her attacker. She would have uh, produced a deceptive result or was at least concerned about it. She may have proved that she was attacked or at least not indicated deception, but the polygraph didn't assess whether she was being truthful as the uh, as to who attacked her. That, coupled with the two males who have come forward, bring this entire accusation into doubt for me. The hearings didn't assess her honesty one way or the other. She obviously isn't afraid of of flying. Um, She just doesn't like to fly places that wouldn't be related to a vacation with her Santa Cruz Beach leftist friends. The detail is small, but it establishes the baseline that the polygraph doesn't implicate Kavanaugh. The first-hand sources for her story have refuted the allegations in line with what Kavanaugh has stated. Jason writes uh, about finance here. Would love to hear you and Porter's thoughts on this. I remember your old boss, Glenn Beck, talking about the dangers of rehypothecation. Porter is more of a financial expert than Glenn, so maybe he can tell me if my bad feeling about mixing that with crypto is warranted. Jason, um, I I don't know anything about this, (laughs) I've got to be honest with you. So I can pass it along to Porter. I'm basically spending next week with, uh, with Porter... And uh, country club guy and the whole gang out in Las Vegas for the Stansbury Vegas conference. Ryan writes, this Ford hearing is really making me angry. I believe Kavanaugh is innocent. So what is he to make of Ford, Coons and Blumenthal as they work to destroy him in this way? We're taught by the left that hate is some loser calling a guy a homosexual slur or some father saying he wants to change his son from being gay. No, hate is approaching someone and telling that person in a calm, serious voice, 
Stay away from me. If I see you again, I will kill you. And then walking away with fist clenched. That's hate. It's when you dislike a person enough to sacrifice a part of yourself. If I knew I had ever treated women in any objectionable way and then was slandered on an, uh, or I'd never treated women in any objectionable way and then I was slandered on an industrial national scale, exceeding the lengths of calling me a rapist and sending my loved ones death threats, but moreover, ruining my life and reputation for mere politics, there would be a part of me I would have to suppress. I would succeed, but the hate would certainly be there, seething. A part of me feels that whenever I hear these smug Democrats speak about Kavanaugh, Ford has no evidence or collaboration to support her claims and has conveniently crafted her story so that none will be found. This woman is, I won't read it, uh, I'm entitled to this opinion. Ryan, you absolutely are. And, you know, he said this woman is scum. That was what he said. So it wasn't a curse. So I'm going to read his words. Uh, And Ryan, you are entitled to this opinion. And I, I do believe that she is wrong, and I believe she's destroying an innocent man, and she will carry that on her soul forever, uh, whether she is fully aware of that destruction or not. Uh, it's tough to tell. Uh, Marie writes, Buck, I'm watching this sham of a hearing here, and as a mental health professional, something is very evident to me. Listening to her sing-song childish voice, this woman has regressed back to the age of her original trauma, maybe around age four. We will most likely never know what that is, but constantly, I don't know, I don't understand, I don't understand how the polygraph works, yet a doctorate in psychology? I don't know what that word means. She is very sick and totally being used by the Democratic Party. Maria, I do think that her uh, constant refrain of, I don't know what that is or what this thing is or that is, was strange. And for somebody who was talking about the uh, norepinephrine and epinephrine, it's surprising and how that is necessary for memory function. Surprising that she has so many enormous holes in the memory necessary to tell us the full story here. Uh, And Marie, it's interesting to hear from a mental health professional on this. So thank you very much for uh, writing in about it. Thomas writes, Buck, you will probably think of me as a conspiracy nut for saying this, but I don't believe there are coincidences in politics. I think what we are witnessing here with this ongoing Christine Ford testimony is only part of a coordinated attack. Anyone who has seen or heard Judge Kavanaugh and is familiar with his story until now would probably describe him as having the personality of a priest or pastor. That would probably be a common term used to describe him, except with the current state of affairs within the Vatican and the trials going on for pedophiles, it would only further serve as incriminating uh, against him. I don't think it was coincidence that the scandal over the pedophile priest just happened in conjunction with Kavanaugh's nomination. In that context, I think both Christine Ford and Kavanaugh are being used as pawns in a much larger battle for power. Okay, now you can laugh and call me crazy. Well, Thomas, I'm not going to call you crazy, but I can't say that I see any connection between those events. But I do appreciate that you're trying to think way, way outside the box. All right, let me go into a quick break, and I'll come back with more Roll Call in just a moment. Team Buck. It's time for Roll Call. All right. More of your thoughts on the day's events, because it is uh, one of those days when I really, I really do need to hear from all of you. I'm I I find myself incredibly disheartened by this whole situation in many ways, although we'll see if Kavanaugh gets through. It will it'll be a sunny day in America that I can tell you. All right. Our buddy Darby writes, watching the hearing for Judge Kavanaugh today and wanted to say that the process that this good and decent man and his family has been put through is absolutely shameful. 
As Americans, we should all be completely horrified by what is happening here. In your open the other day, you clearly expressed your anger about the circus this has become. I share your anger, my friend. If this is allowed to continue and this good man fails to be nominated, then I believe we have lost our way as a country. As a veteran and as an American, that makes me incredibly sad. Keep up the good work, as always, brother. And now, more than ever, we all need to keep our shields high. Well, isn't that, isn't that true? Uh, and I, and my brother Darby, I agree with you on on all counts, on all things you had to say there. So, it's uh, it's a dark day for the country. It really is. It is a a dark day for this country when uh, someone like Brett Kavanaugh, with such a distinguished career, and you know, people keep trying, uh, trying to talk about how, oh, well, with others, you know, the dam breaks and then all the, all the other revelations come through. These revelations are for when he was 16, 17 years old. Maybe the, the dam breaks. What, what about the other 40 years of his life? The dam breaks? It's a damn lies, what that is. Maria writes, is that friggin' Alyssa Milano behind Kavanaugh? Why is she there representing what? What a circus. She's there as a me tour to add credibility. Maria, that is absolutely correct. Yes, it was Alyssa Milano. Uh, she is not a fan of yours, truly, because I ask her actual questions and she does not like that. Uh, I, I found her uh, to be a, a snowflake like celebrity who wants to be heard, but but expects to be listened to and, and never challenged. Uh, and uh, she's there because Feinstein invited her. She's an invited guest of a United States senator. That's right, an invited, invited guest. Roger writes, Buck, I'm a monthly coffee subscription holder to Black Rifle Coffee, so I cannot use your URL. See if you can get your own coupon code once again. You know, Roger, I absolutely will do that. Darn it. i got to get that coupon code out there. That's a good call. I'll reach out to the Black Rifle folks. Richard writes, here's the one question I want to ask about Dr. Blas- uh, Blasey Ford. Dr. Ford, as a professor in psychology, would you educate the committee regarding the research findings on the reliability and accuracy of recovered memories? And the follow-up question, knowing this, can you truly be 100% confident in your memory of Judge Kavanaugh as the perpetrator of the abuse? Is that consistent with the research findings on recovered memories, Dr. Rick? Uh, Rick, uh, memory is a tricky thing. And and the, the biggest problem that I have with Dr. Blasey Ford's testimony is that she is only certain really of one thing, and that is that Brett Kavanaugh assaulted her. Everything else around it was subject to interpretation, vague, hazy memories, things like that. But but that's the only thing. Um, Aries writes, before the Blumenthal questions, I think I heard the Ford uh, heard Ford tell the Republicans that she only talked to Feinstein and that issue about uh, her letter between June 30th and August 7th, but no one else. Um, I'm much better at detecting a dude's BS, but this chick is lying. All she remembers when being polygraphed is a lot of questions and crying. Uh, Aries, I-, I did not find her nearly as compelling as everybody else. Uh, else. I think, uh, you know, she, people see a woman who, um, you know, is, is tearing up and they immediately, there's that that side of us that, just feels the impulse to want to help her but whoa what a day johnny writes i actually felt sorry for dr ford kavanaugh had his ups and downs and somehow i applauded something Lindsay ford had to say i don't think kavanaugh can survive this crucible like treatment he'll never shake this smear i hope the conservatives really do learn to fight back 
Historically, the GOP seems to have no idea how to fight the -the below-the-belt ninjas of the Democratic Party. Dems have set a new standard they will have a hard time meeting in the future. Hopefully, they will reap what they sow. Does Team Feinstein know who the next candidate is if Kavanaugh doesn't make it? Judge Barrett will be very difficult to block. Shields high. Keep up the good fight. Johnny. Johnny, I certainly hope he makes it through. We're going to see. He should. I mean, after today, he, he absolutely should. Karen writes, the affirmative action thing keeps getting crazier and crazier. I remember hearing about this woman born in Africa to an African mother and an American man of European ancestry who couldn't get certified as an African American. She was born in Egypt, which is part of Africa, to an Egyptian woman, and her skin wasn't dark enough. Are we going to have some kind of test, like you have to be darker than a certain uh, a certain paint chip or, or a cafe au lait to qualify for affirmative action? Karen, I've, I've asked this question before about is it really skin color-based and not ancestry-based? And your, your point about somebody born in Egypt, I had a friend who was born in Cairo, and she... Uh, claim to be African-American because she thought that that was a designation that accurately described she is African. In fact, Egypt is part of Africa. So when she applied to schools and her, her school guidance counselor for college uh, didn't or, you know, her college guidance counselor didn't want her to use that designation. She had a real problem with it. But it turns out that they rejected that notion and she wasn't allowed to. So it really is skin color based, uh, which They won't say, but that is how it is enforced. And then you have to ask the question, well, is it skin color based up to and including, you know, do you do you have to have one parent who is considered a a certain shade of of skin color for uh, for you to qualify? They don't have answers, Karen. They they just have uh, threats and whining and pounding. Tim writes, hey, Buck, Shields High, call me naive. But has Kavanaugh said something to the effect that he's going to immediately attack Roe versus Wade as soon as he is confirmed? Has he ever said that he was going to do that? It seems the left is under the impression that as soon as he gets on the bench, he's going to reopen this case and single-handedly reverse it. Can this even happen? I mean, what kind of logistics would it take for this to happen? And are those, in fact, his intentions? No, that's not how it would happen, Tim. And, and people are, are much more upset about this than they, than they should be realistically based on the facts. I mean, the, the pro-abortion left, uh, but they view abortion as, as a kind of sacred right you can call it r-i-t-e of the left and that's why they'll do anything to defend it all right team tomorrow's going to be a better day that much i i have faith in i have faith in all of you thank you for being here with me thank you for giving me this opportunity to have some faith restored in humanity i'll be back with you tomorrow shields very high you don't want any of those social media platforms out there that engage in, quote, conversational health or shadow banning. It's come out now. We've got all this hidden camera footage and internal emails. You know that the social media giants are pushing an agenda. If you want to be free of that, there's a new up and coming social media site that you should check out. Snippy.com. I've got a profile on Snippy.com. Let me tell you, there is nothing that goes on there that has anything to do with political agenda They don't have a left-wing algorithm that's pushing stuff or not pushing stuff, and they just want you to have your thoughts heard, to not be feeling like you're censored or in any way blocked from sharing your opinions. Snippy.com lets you post photos. You can follow other writers. You can engage in a conversation on whatever issues are top of mind, and just know that you don't have to worry about getting your account suspended. Recently, Twitter tried to suspend my account. It's crazy. Go to Snippy.com. Again, that's Snippy.com dot com.